Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. This is series two of our revamped and new look mental health and sports series. This time around, the series is focusing specifically on footballers. We'll be talking to current and ex-footballers about their difficulties with mental health, addiction and similar subjects in the, you know, in the current climate of the world. I think uh, speaking about mental health issues is more important than ever. Uh, and these shows will just be an, an open and iconic, honest account of some of the issues faced by uh, these athletes at the height of their career, after their career, or wherever it may be, and how it's affected their their lives. Um, if you saw episode one, we spoke to former Manchester United and Newcastle winger Keith Gillespie, uh, and he spoke about his difficulties with gambling uh, and how it affected his mental health with depression and things like that, and the effect that it had on his life, and then um, the extreme amounts of money which he lost in a very quick amount of time, and also... He discussed the difficulties facing young footballers these days, maybe being more towards gambling rather than going out and drinking and things like this with online gambling. But um, it was a really interesting show, um, so check it out. You can get a video format of all of uh, our shows, including that one, youtube.com slash acepodcastnation. Please subscribe, click the bell to be notified. That's the best way to support the channel. And, uh, of course, you can also get the audio versions at uh, the usual Podcast and radio apps everywhere. Links in the description. So, with no further ado, joining me for each episode is someone who's appeared on the channel many times before now. And uh, he's back again to help us talk to our guests, spread awareness when it comes to mental health. I'm very happy to welcome my co-host for this series, mental health support worker, Jacob, back to the show. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Yeah, not so bad. I always think when you say, like, support worker, I have to sort of be professional and... But yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I think like uh, the pods have been great. But I think if I'm, we were talking about honesty and stuff like that. last couple of days have been a bit of a struggle. But I think that's the good thing about these pods. We can be open and sort of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's been great doing these things. They've been helpful for me. But also uh, my football group started back up, uh, the one I run. So it's great seeing like the power of football, you know, and how it affects people. We we're saying just seeing it sort of from an outsider and seeing like these people that hadn't met up for about six seven months meet back up and it's great so that's the great some of the great stories we have about football so yeah i'm great i'm really looking forward to tonight yeah it, uh, it can it brings people together football like you know not at a necessarily at a professional level just socially um 
it just brings people together and I think over these last seven months that a lot of, like a lot of people who I know they're missing that kind of weekly training and and matches and five side whatever it may be and just the the social aspect of it going for a beer afterwards whatever it mm. may be um just getting out the house and obviously in the current yeah. climate it's very difficult I don't know what it's like for you at the moment but in Cardiff we're in lockdown with no kind of date set for when that ends which means you can't leave Cardiff so like me and my wife said yesterday oh we'll go for a drive tomorrow when we drop the kids to school and then we oh we can't go out to Cardiff so well what are we going to do we've seen Cardiff a lot but uh, yeah there we go anyway uh, I ramble on someone who's very used to my rambling uh, our guest for today Andy Campbell football shows uh, been live on a Monday and a Friday uh, ex-Middlesbrough Bolton, Sheffield United striker, Cardiff City legend, Mr. Andy Campbell. Welcome, my friend. A change of seats for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm nervous today. I feel a little bit under pressure, <laughs> but no, thank you for having me, fellas. It's uh, um, something really important, and I think um, to get these kind of messages across to people and, uh, and just to be there for people who are going through the same or similar struggles, I think, is, uh, is key for me because, um, you know what I mean, forget what you see. Um, Exterior-wise, smiles and, and stuff. You know what I mean? For me, it's it's more than that. You know, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Mm, oh and, and yes, spot on, mate. I mean, me and you speak a lot, obviously, but like, you never know how someone's doing. You know, behind their smile, or even when you like, you might send them a message and say, right, and they go, yeah, yeah, everything's fine, and it might not be. Uh, you know, and we'll, we're kind of we will delve into that a bit on tonight's show. Um, it's kind of one of them things at the moment. It's very difficult for everybody. And I think it's more important than ever that people are kind of checking in with people who you haven't spoken to for a while, just mm. seeing if they're, uh, you know, doing all right, as it were. But I think, I, re I feel like I repeat this on every show, but like for me with these shows, that's what's important is trying to reach people rather than if it gets, I don't, I'd rather get one view and like whatever we talk about in that particular show resonates with one person and they like they don't feel that they're on their own they don't have to struggle on their own rather than get like a million views and kind of people just watch it and move on um yeah but you know that's and I, was thinking, I think we were saying before like some people you know we're very lucky in our positions that we are able to talk about mental health and we've heard stories from friends or we've got our own experiences but some people just maybe have struggled in silence don't have anyone in their community that sort of openly talk about it so it's great that we can offer this opportunity for some people to maybe it's the first time they, they've heard men talking about openly about mental mm. health and it not yeah. being a shame or a guilt thing. So, yeah, it's Ooh, great. 100% mate. And I think like for people, we're all like a similar kind of generation. I think like when I was younger, growing up, like your feelings wasn't something which you were kind of taught to talk about. Um, and I think that is like a really common thing when I spoke to to different people of different professions all of like that similar generation of say from about 30 to 60 all of them as kids and teenagers weren't really encouraged to kind of say if they were struggling or this that and the other which makes it very difficult when you become an adult to then mm. deal with those periods of kind of darkness or when you're feeling a bit low um right okay andy on to you my friend um so for people who maybe not football fans, let's give them a, a little background of you. Uh, tell us in your, your kind of your own words about you, your upbringing, your career. How did it all begin for Andy Campbell, and where did you? How did you get to where you are today? 
Um, oh, my name is Andy Campbell, 41 years old. Um, I was brought up in a um, in, in a town, Stockton on Tees. Uh, it wasn't the greatest of areas to, to be brought up in, but my mum and dad gave me everything that I ever wanted. Um, I, but I, I do feel as though um, I was extremely lucky uh, being involved in football because I think football saved me and it saved me from um, the uncertainty for me and, and something which um, I probably wasn't ready for at a young age. And, and, and uh, you know what I mean? I'm a big advocate now of. Um, of working in schools, of, of an education, because I left school with absolutely zero. Um, half of me because um, I, I wanted to be a footballer and I tried to get into football, but I didn't have that, that backup plan, so I really had to go above and beyond. And um, a lot of people who didn't have that uh, opportunity and, 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 and the luck that I had, um, you know what I mean? I, I would have feared for myself, really, of, of, of where it could have ended up. Yeah, I think one of the subjects which has come up in kind of this series and will come up in this series is um, with being a professional athlete but particularly football is so up and down when you're playing it mm. can, one week you're a hero next week you're a villain it can go from hero to zero very very quick um, obviously for you Andy you experienced like an extreme high with Cardiff like you're renowned in Cardiff you'll if you go back to Cardiff you know you never have to buy a drink etc etc like, how difficult is it as a footballer to kind of deal with those highs and lows? Um, well, first and foremost, I, don't, I think they're, they're, they're indescribable as well. You know, the highs are so high; it's 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 re it's really strange how to um, how to describe and, and compare. You know, that I can only probably describe those kind of highs with 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 the birth of my children. You know, they're that high, um, mm. and then the lows are so low that you. That it's hard to explain as well to people because people just think oh, it's just a game of football. It's just you've mm -hmm. lost the game. You just had a bad game, but it's not. It's more than that because you've got you've got pride in your own ability. Uh, you've got you've got your, you've got your own self esteem. You've got people having to go at you. You've got um, newspapers, social media, radio, um, neighbours going to the pub, um, people giving you stick, people looking at you funny, pit jealousy. There's so many things will add to um, add to the problems. And um, how did I? How did I get over it? Um, I was extremely lucky that my brother was a footballer before me, so I, he was a couple of years older than me. So I was able to um, see what was what was happening to him, um, how he dealt with certain things, how I could improve myself from dealing with the mistakes that he made and and the successes that he had, and uh, and hopefully, but then um, emulate myself and, and and put my put my own little stamp on it. Um, the problem that I found though was uh, was I played a, a little bit well, quite a lot higher than my brother did, and. Mm. Um, so I, I was a little bit lost at times where you know I, I wasn't able to copy or compare or, 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 or emulate what, what he'd done because it was a, it was at a different level so you know what I mean and I, I spoke publicly on, 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 on our show about I had a big decision to make when I was uh, when I was 16 it was it was go and be a footballer and ditch your friends basically or stay within your friend circle and get pulled into things which which were going to have an, an impact on me potentially being as successful or a success or being able being able to play at a high level, so I had to go on my own a little bit and just stick with family and and stick with people who are trusted. Um, and that sounds really callous and really unfair, but you know, what I mean, I was I needed to be a footballer because I didn't have anything else in my life. You know, I, I wasn't mm -hmm. a, a big advocate at the time of going out and, and, and trying alcohol and, and doing all these things. And I just I just selfishly wanted to be the best that I can be and and and, and achieve this 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 crazy dream, which everyone told me it was yeah. uh, of being a footballer because that's what it was. It was a dream. You know what I mean? Because you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's better footballers Millions than me. Millions of kids want to do yeah, it, don't they? Yeah, there's, 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 there's plenty of better, better footballers than me who never made it. Um, you know, but I, I wanted it more than anybody, and I would have, I would have run over my own.
parents and grandparents mm-hmm. just to be that, just to, just to do what I did. And um, you know, I mean, I don't regret saying that because you know, what I mean, I know it's only a, it's only a saying, but I was so proud to 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 do the things that I did at a young age, mm. um, and then to carry it as long as carry it on as long as I I eventually did. It's really interesting though that is because um, what me and Jacob try to do with these shows, we do try to add our own experiences in as we go along, and. Um, I played like academy level football till about sixteen, and then I dropped out of the system. And I similarly, similarly, had pretty much the same 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 choice. Yeah, I had the same choice choice that you had that you just mentioned, whereby I really had to either kind of ditch my friends and focus on football. And I probably I don't know if I'd have made it, but I would have got in and carried on at least for a short while, or you know, hang around with my friends, drink, smoke, girls, etc. And I chose the latter. And then my father died when I was 16, which meant the person who had kind of driven me to training and everything and made sure I did all the right things wasn't there anymore. And I was a 16-year-old with a younger brother, a parent who just died. And my mum, you know, she did her best, but you don't want to force a 16-year-old who's just lost his father... Mm to go to training if he's saying he doesn't want to. So she was in an impossible situation. And I think there's a lot to be said about the pressures of on young footballers, um, Jacob. Like, I spoke to uh, a lady called Tracy, who was a sports psychologist last year, about specifically, like, these young young players who go through the system from, like, seven years old, and then they get to 17... And then the clubs say, oh, we don't want you, you're not good enough, whatever it may be. Mm. And they've got nothing, they've got no education because they've focused everything on football. So they've kind of not done as well in school. And I think, obviously, a lot of these shows, we're focusing on things like addiction or PTSD or like with Andy now, we're going to talk about the difficulties he's faced kind of towards the end of his career and after his career. But there's also a mental health side to the young players who drop out the game at 16 and I think that's the problem. Like in, if you look in sort of low, lower league, League One, League Two, there's nothing. There's literally mm. you get dropped, and then we were saying this. You know, I, I can understand as an employer if if in my work if I if they get someone gets sacked, they're not going to bother to spend time think checking if they're all right, how they found that. So I, I get as a business side it makes no sense, but there's even like for the FA, there's nothing out there for those young players that just get dropped. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. And, and a lot of the clubs, you know, all the clubs will have safeguarding leads, but some of the clubs haven't got a clue about, like, what to do around just general mental health or how to, how we, you know, techniques of how to give bad news. You know, yeah. some coaches will just go, sorry, mate, you're not good enough. Do one. Others, you know, I remember chatting to one guy who said, we had a boy with us from like seven all the way up to 16 and is similar. His dad had passed away, like say in May and, uh, the coach just went to my mate, right. You have to drop him. Uh, and he's like, well, his dad's died like, you know, a couple of months ago. And he's like, don't care. He's not good enough. Uh, and, and, and as brutal. a business, it's brutal. And I think that's the thing. Like, I think if there was, I can understand the club saying, look, we've got no finances for that. I can understand that. But just something, you would hope there was something around, like... Just the human to, side well, of it, yeah, though, isn't it? To, Do you know what I mean? I spoke to a few youth players and said, look, this is what we're doing with the pod. 
give it a listen. You're going to get some great experience from senior players just to hear some of their stories. Uh, and you think that should be a basic stuff that most players are here, like these youth players are hearing. And I think the pressure, you know, if you look at like when Andy was a youth player compared to say someone now, there's, I think there's similar pressure, but different, there's different pressures on different things like with the social media now. Yeah, social media has changed the game, uh, hasn't it? You know, a 16-year-old development uh, player will have, an, be, have his own agent. Some of them are sponsored by Adidas. Uh, mm. So they get in their boots. Uh, they get told they're going to be, you know, you're going to be the next big thing, next big thing. Mm. Don't worry. Uh, and then they get dropped. Mm. But there's no grounded as well, though, Jacob, is there? That, that there's financial as well, you know, that uh, the people call it apprenticeships, but they're going straight in on big money, you know what I mean? Yeah, Huge yeah. money. And, that's, and I'm not giving, I'm not on about wages straight away. It could be houses. It could be jobs for parents because... People are coming over in different countries. It's putting extreme pressure on, on individuals. You know, you know what I mean. I, that that I'm, I'm open and honest. You know, my my first wage was thirty seven pound fifty. You know, it's just it's it's mm. just ridiculous. And you're on that for you know what I mean. So it's never a financial burden. You you're happy to get paid to do something you love. And I, I don't think there's that that enjoyment anymore. You know what I mean. I look I look at a lot, a lot of young footballers. They look miserable. They look unhappy. Mm. They don't. It's not it's not a hobby to them. It's a it's a job. And when it becomes a job, it becomes personal. And it comes it just becomes a bit of a chore. And when things aren't going as well, then you know what I mean. Like you said, you know what I mean. Get they get dropped because it's a conveyor belt. And the, that conveyor belt is somebody's there younger and better than you going to take mm. your place. And clubs don't clubs don't have the aftercare. Well, they don't, also, they don't I, have the sense to to stop it. I was chatting to our local like team, and uh, I was like, "How does this make money?" I was like, uh, "You know, you pay for say ten staff. The, the players are getting a small wage, uh, the training, and all that." And I said, "Like, how do you make money to for this to be viable?" And they said, "Well, all we have to do is sell one player uh, or one of the players to make it, and then we sell that player." So I think they sold one of their players for something like eight hundred fifty grand, and that paid for you know. And I said, I get that. I get, you know, what selling one player, but it's a massive risk. Uh, and yeah, you're, basically, God, yeah. you're, you're basically going, here's 40, let's hope, 40, 40 young men, let's hope one of them makes it. Uh, and I, know I can't remember the team. There's one team that have basically scrapped that whole system. I think they're in the championship and they do it completely different now. They have like basically a team, which is the first team and a B team, which smaller development squad. Um, and I think, were they in the playoff championship? I can't remember who was in the playoff championships last season uh, for championship. Brentford against uh, it might Fulham. Be Bre- yeah, it might be Brentford. I know, yeah, that I know um, Brentford changed up their system because when and we spoke to Reese looked, Weston, they, uh, they said I was looking that, at their system it. and it looks so good. Uh, just the way they interact with their players. It's a great way yeah. of buying players, selling players and treating players. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, I think, I think in the next sort of, especially with COVID, with how con- that's going to massively affect contracts. Uh, clubs are going to be like, well, we're not getting the revenue. You know, we're going to, if we've got a player that we, we, we're going to keep him, you know, maybe we don't re-sign his contract as soon because not many players, clubs are buying big players. But uh, I think honestly, in the next five years, we're going to see a massive push in the negative side uh, sense of, young players getting affected by mental health I think it's going to be yeah 100% mate I think um, very quickly and before we steer it back to you can you imagine the pressure um, on say a 16 year old who comes from say Spain or vice versa um, and he signs for like a big club like a United or a Liverpool and they give their family a house 
and a car in a new country. Can you imagine the pressure on that boy knowing that the only reason his parents and family are in this, like, moved to the country and have got this big swanky house and all these nice things is because they're basically mm. gambling on him mm. to make it as a footballer? Can you imagine that pressure, mate, to make it knowing that if you don't make it, that house is gone? That's got to be. Uh, not, ridiculous well, for a kid basically yeah, 16 is a kid yeah but it's 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 a it's a clubs who are at fault you know you know what I mean the whole system just doesn't doesn't work, doesn't make sense it doesn't work you know that they've they tried these these things and that's why they've um the rules were that if that you had to be in school from 14 to 16 to be able to sign for a club so then they just go and buy in players from overseas and stick them in school for a couple of years and stick <laughs> them in, in 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 clubhouses for a couple of years it just it makes a mockery of the system and yeah. you know what i mean that these the, that these kids are they're far away from home which is you've got to settle in you've got to learn a little language potentially you've got to make new friends you know what i mean there's there's all these things what you know what I mean? which are which are secondary to football you know what i mean the football they've been brought in to do but they're not there full time they've got to get an education you know what i mean they've got to the, the parents have to learn the language they've got to go out and work potentially you know what i mean it, it's just I'm not. I'm, it never sat right with me, and, and, and it never has, because other other countries have had a far better system where they they bring in their own, and you know, I mean, that's why England have got a, well, they've had problems with um, with generating national players and, and, mm. and a good enough squad, and there's your reason why, basically, in a nutshell. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so obviously, you know, you've had a, a a very successful career in football, um, playing for clubs all over the UK. You know, for as far up as Scotland, you obviously played started with Middlesbrough, played in Wales with Cardiff. Whitby, Halifax, Bolton, Sheffield United. This, you know, it's a it's a long list of clubs. Um, with, Too long. I'm, yeah, and I'm sure you know. Look, I'm sure I'm sure there's there's many highs in there, and there's many lows. You know, um, when did you start to feel uh, the kind of negative side of mental health in terms of your football career? Was that something which you felt throughout your career, or was it more something which kind of developed? Like later on, um, I'll be honest. I was I was on the the crest of a wave. Me till probably I was till I was about twenty four till I twenty four twenty five when I um, when I left Cardiff. I think that's when it that's when it started hitting me that um, when I was surplus to requirements at Cardiff City, and I started to think, well, what do I do? You know, I've I've I've, I've always I've always played at a level and been at a level as a footballer where I've always teams and managers have always wanted me. Teams have wanted to buy me. Teams have wanted to sign me on. So. And now I'm in a now I'm in a in a position for the first ever time in my life in my career where um, a team's told me I'm not good enough. A team's told me I'm not wanted at the team anymore. So now I'm I'm not wanted. I'm not good enough. You know what I mean? So in my head now it's the first time I've really really felt a proper negative from a manager in a club and, um, and it, yeah, it hit me hard. You know that it, it took me a while to get um, to get my head round it. I spent a lot of time uh, with just my family because I wasn't allowed to train with the first team at the time. So it was, you know what I mean? The club had um, had, had, had put this basically this stance on. Um, on 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 why they were doing it to try and get me out of the club, which is which which was their prerogative, it was, which was fine. But it was it was starting to affect me, and 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 I, I'm I'm I was always professional. I just wanted to go and play football, and once I got told those words that I wasn't wanted, I just wanted to go out and go and play. So um, I, I spoke to my agent, and I I spoke to as many people as I could just to try and get myself away. And to be honest, I moved from one country. Well, basically, I, I, went, I moved from one country to another country, surpassed the middle country, went from Wales to Scotland, and. Um, just to try and get my love of football again, and I didn't find it. I didn't find it, and I, and I, and I struggled for a year. You know what I mean? I had a, I had a pretty successful time in Scotland because I, I, I was lucky enough to play in a cup final and things, and uh, and we achieved what we what we set out to achieve. But personally, I didn't enjoy it, um, mm. and I was I was I was asking questions every day. Why aren't I enjoying it? You know what I mean? I've, 
I'm doing something that I love. I'm getting paid for it. You know what I mean? Like like I always have. But why aren't I enjoying it? There's something missing. There was something that wasn't there. And you know what I mean? I was starting to think, well, you know what I mean? I need to go back home. I think. I think I need to go back to Middlesbrough. I need to start again. Do I? Is this time just to pack in and start something? Start something fresh and, and new and. Um, so I moved back to moved the family back to Middlesbrough just to just to start again and and see if it would all rekindle again and my um, being with family um, being with pe- people who are who, who I knew would back me and um, and give me the support I needed and um, and then I came across a manager who who gave me um, all this love all this opportunity just made me feel a million dollars when I walked through the door Chrissy Wilder who's now manager at um, Sheffield United um, at Halifax Town and I drove up and down the country uh, drove two and a half hours to training every day and two and a half hours back uh, just to play for the man because I just thought he was he was he was amazing and and he he put me in a really good place mentally football wise I was I was enjoying my football more than I've ever enjoyed it at the level I was playing at I was people were telling me that what am I doing playing there I'm far I'm, I'm too I'm far too good to play at that level but I loved it I absolutely adored going into training every day I, I had a spring of my step getting up at six o'clock in the morning to drive down the motorway um where was that to? Where was Halifax Town? That was Halifax, so, yeah. Yeah, so I was I was doing a nine to five job basically, but I spent more time in the car and on the motorway than I did <laughs> on the football pitch. But but I loved it, and you know what I mean. I think that drive was also doing me good. You know, I was by the time I was getting the training, I was in a good state of mind. I was planning what I was going to do in training. I was planning what I was going to do in a game. I was after after training, I was looking at how, what how I did how I, um, how I handled myself in training games and, and things. So. I think the, the drive was starting to do me a little bit of good, and uh, and what I learned is, uh, you know, I mean, by the time I was getting back to family time, that um, I was in a decent place because I wasn't thinking about football anymore. I was, I'd got it all out of my system by the time I'd, I'd walked through the front door, which I think was important for me. Um, so the other thing I was going to kind of ask you about was, like you've mentioned on the show before, on the Monday show and the Friday show, that like the difficulties players face when their career ends or. F- comes to an end where by it's out of their hands that's a very difficult thing to deal with um, and they don't get not many players do get to finish on their own terms whether it be through injury or eventually the clubs stop calling um, very few players do get that opportunity to finish on their own terms uh, looking back now um, all these years later do you feel like you've got to finish your professional career on your own terms no 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 I've, you know I mean I've had to I've had to battle through a few demons and battle through um, being told that I'd never kick a ball again, never be able to really get involved in football again to, to try and just prove a few people wrong and prove myself wrong um, in order to play like I am now over 40s, which is great just to, for my own health and well-being. Mm. Um, but yeah, as I say, one minute I was playing in a in a professional game and the, the next I was in a hotel, uh, sorry, in a hospital bed waiting an operation which was going to save my career and nothing nothing will ever get me um, not, uh, one thing I won't I'll never forget it um, I'll never forget the, the conversation I had with the surgeon when I woke up after my operation um, which told me that, that basically my professional football career was, was, was ended it wasn't in a in a place where um, he thought I could ever play again professionally I ruptured my Achilles um, and it was 99% ruptured I, I had the operation which was very successful and uh, I've got a few nice, nasty or nice it depends how you look at it I've got some nice scars to Mm-hmm. Um, to show from my from my career, which is uh, nice to to tell children and tell tell the kids and stuff. But it's listen, it, there's nothing ever gets you ready for it. There's no support mechanism as well. And mm-hmm. um, and and at the time, I didn't, I, I wasn't bitter and I wasn't uh, and I wasn't upset that there was nobody there because I didn't know any difference. But mm, when I see yeah. players now who uh, who go through the same thing that I've gone through and, and don't have that support mechanism, there's there's organisations there. We should be doing more, and the, yeah. the, 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 they're in place for that reason. And 
Um, you know what I mean? I, I'd say well, probably six to nine months I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I was, every day I was waking up doing the same thing. I'm in the same conversations. I was in a really, really horrible place and um, nobody ever, ever gave me an opportunity to do anything. It was just, I was just walking around in circles. I was, I was a, not a very nice person to be around. Um, very angry, very volatile, um, upset. Um, and just lost basically. I didn't really have a clue what was going on. Um, and then all of a sudden, not really by chance. I think I was. I was. I was. Um, my number was given to a couple of lads at PFA. But seven to nine months down the line, you know, if, if I could have, mm. if, if they could have got in touch with me, or sort of, or the clubs were in a in a better partnership, I'd had a better relationship with them, and it, and, it, and it could have been looked after quicker. I would have been in a lot better position, you know. That 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 they gave me this advice, which was great, but then I'd wasted nearly a year, and then by the time I'd I'd, I'd gone to college to get my qualifications which they advised me to do because I'm not a professional footballer anymore from, from earning money to earning nothing so going from whatever amount a week or a month to, to earning zero is, 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 is a huge lifestyle change and um, you know like I said earlier on I'm a big advocate of education because having to start over again if I could turn any part of my life back um, the only part of change would, would I would have tried the school a little bit better and, and done my GCSEs and um, probably focused from 14 to 16 and still gone down the same path I would have but it would have saved a good year of my life having to go back to, to doing qualifications which which put me in a position where I am now and put me, put me in a better a better state of mind because I learned so much in a, in a year about myself uh, about other people uh, about certain things which I wasn't aware of but you know I mean for me I, I am still a little bit angry and disappointed that the organisations within football mm. didn't really help out and weren't there when I really needed them because Let's be honest. Things could have things could have ended a hell of a lot worse for me. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent, mate. Um, Jacob, like, like Eve, for me, like, and I'm sure you, uh, as someone who works within mental health thing, like, for me, I find that angering when I hear Andy talk mm. about the difficulties and that period where, you know, he, he suddenly had his career taken away from him, and I feel like organisations like the PFA. Or the FA, or you know, the, whoever it may be, I feel like that's a, a, a basic thing basic, yeah. that they should be doing is making sure that these guys, if their careers ended for whatever reason abruptly, available. don't don't desert them. Make sure they're okay because you know the list of footballers who have high-profile footballers who have had difficulties after their career, you know, is endless. With your Gazers and your George Basts mm. and. Um, you know, there's many, many others, um, and it, it frustrates me. And I mean, as someone who works within the mental health kind of scene, if you like, because I can't think of the word for a better, so we'll call it a scene. No, that's fine. Um, like, how does that frustrate you? Because it just seems like a basic thing that they should be doing. Yeah, really. it's it is because I think football is this weird bubble. So we've, you know, I know loads of footballers that struggling with their mental health and they then you know don't know what to do so they go to their club and then the club go and then go to pfa and then all this where joe blogs off the street will go to the gp and you know and there's there's a sort of trail that you go and you get a really good service you know some you know some people in different areas it might be slightly different but i think nhs uh, saved my life mate you know simple as that it's one of those like with football, there's so much money, like especially generated, you know, with the Championship and um, Premier League, 
that that can feed down to the lower leagues. It can feed for just even basics of just going, right, you've, your career has ended. Mm. Here's some information. And we know people who are struggling with their mental health aren't always going to go, I'm struggling. Can I get some help? The people yeah. that are really struggling aren't going to look for the help. You know, it's yeah. going to be a family member or a friend, sort of like, like Andy said, someone that approached him with some numbers from the PFA. So those are the, you know, what, is that, what are happening, you know, we're going to talk about Chris later, but some of these people that are, let me speak about Gary Speed, you know, there's people that are struggling in silence that maybe don't feel at that time they don't have someone to go to because they haven't been given that information. You know, yeah. I know as a member of the public, the, you know, most people in our society that aren't professional footballers know if I'm struggling with mental health, I go to my GP. That is the first line I'll go to. Um, but why aren't why don't football clubs do that like when a player goes to them why doesn't a football club send them yeah. to the club doctor I think, and I then think a lot of that it is process stigma. begin no I spoke to one um, one guy who was uh, who'd gone like privately and I and you know one of my work colleagues he runs his own sort of business doing what we do normal work but for yeah. professional footballers but uh, the levels are a lot lower so with me, I work with people that are really in crisis uh, and they've got to that stage where they're really, really unwell. With footballers, it's a lot lower level stuff. But uh, I, I, I find it hard to believe that, you know, there's these massive, you know, huge companies that are selling private healthcare to professional footballers, uh, offering a small service compared to what the NHS do, but charging a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, they're not even doing, a, you know, it's not that readily available compared to if they would have gone to a GP. But I think it's just basic stuff with, I think, clubs see these players, most of these clubs, whatever they like to say, they see these players as, you know, business acquisition, like, pe- they're not people, they're, you know, just numbers. Asset, numbers just asset. Asset. Yeah, yeah. Asset, yeah. So you're, you know, and that's the, mm. that's the real problem, I think. Mm. Um, but I think as well, Jacob, that... Um, you said earlier on, it's like, and I and I said it. I think uh, on Monday show, it's uh, it's like a swear word, and you know what I mean. And and it's quite it, well. It's when I say quite, it's a very manly thing being a uh, being a footballer. You're in a um, an all male. Some well, most of my career, I say ninety ninety percent of my career it was a uh, a full male environment where there was, there was zero females there, and 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 nobody wanted to be different. And if that's that you're struggling with mental health, or you um, or you're homosexual, or whatever, nobody ever came out and said. Mm. said this because you don't want to be different and you don't want to be ostracised and you don't want to be seen as a weakness yeah, and, yeah. and we know and, football, and... football is a small world that talk you yeah. know I've, I've worked with players that have gone my number was marked because one manager didn't like me so he spread the word that mm. I was a difficult player and I found it yeah. hard to get contracts and I think that's the sad thing you think mm. I think a lot of these and a lot of fans will say oh we're a team what you know a lot of the you know if we actually look at a football team, it's not really a team. It's, it's a group of individuals that are all fighting to be in that first team. Mm. So the subs, however much they'll love to say, oh, it's a team, they'll want to be playing because they've got to pay their mortgage, they've got to pay their bills. And so that's the difficult thing. There will be a team mentality, but they're all out to pay their bills. Um, yeah, compared to a generic, well. you know, mm. everyone wants to play. And so that's a, re- that's a really tricky thing, I think. Mm. If I'm a sub and I want to be playing... I'm probably not going to go to the manager and say, I'm struggling with my mental health. Can I get a bit of extra support? Because 
unfortunately, it probably will it's make It's not going to help you get selected. It's not going to help, yeah. yeah. And that's the uh, sad thing. I know? totally agree. Uh, you know, I mean, you can't afford to show weakness being a player. You know, that, that people... Uh, People do see it as a weakness, you know, that, that it's like, it's, it's not the same thing. But if you went to a manager and say you're tired, what's he going to do straight away? He's not going to play you. So you, you straight away, you've, you've shown weakness to somebody in power and somebody in charge. So, you know, I mean, you know yourself that you, that you won't do that again or, some, or, or your teammate does it, you don't make the same mistake. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I, and I see this as a, as a similar thing that everything everything you do, you do on your own and you're, and you're, you're a very close shop and you probably have a, probably the smallest bubble in the world that you probably have one or two people maximum to confide in who you, who you, who you really trust and, and hope that, that nobody ever ever breaks that, breaks that trust and it's only literally since I've been doing this stuff I, I've worked with some people from women's football and it's so different if you look at things like you know how many uh, how many women footballers are out about their sexuality in, men, in men's English football there's none Wait, uh, yeah. And, and yeah. that shows, and, and so if you look in uh, women's football about uh, mental health, there's quite a lot of big profile players that are talking, like Frank Kirby, who's talked about her mental health. If you look in the men's game, compared to, you know, what they say, one in four, you know, let's say in a team, let's say two people in that team, you know, I, I can probably count on one, on two hands, the amount of current players, not probably one hand, the amount of current players that have come out about their mental health. Uh, and that's their personal. You know, they don't have to, but I think that shows the sort of how the stigma's still there, oh, isn't yeah, it, within yeah. football? Most of yeah. our interviews have been former players because yeah, and my, only, only the one, my that... yeah, all my work with doing mental health and football, uh, I know players that are struggling with their mental health, but they just the fear is so real that it's going to affect their career or their sponsorship and stuff like that. They just—they're not gonna—they're gonna wait till the end of their career. And the only person I think who's like James Coppinger, I think he's—it hasn't like you can see for him, it hasn't changed his career. Uh, no. It's been, a, if anything, a positive thing for his career. Mm. Um, and all the players that I'm aware of that have come out and shared their experiences, it's always been positive. Uh, yeah. And I always say this to players as well: it's like if you were to come out and you were like uh, treated wrongly, they ain't got legs to stand on. Because oh, you've God, got yeah. You, yeah, it's like, like the way the world um, is now. But the fear is so strong for the players that, that yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's sad, really. The um, yeah, and, and and this is why I want to do these shows and this series. This is why I brought this series back, and I got Jacob on board, and we're getting people like yourself, Andy, to talk to us about their experiences. Is because we want to change that stigma. Like I'm talking broadly as a society. Like I'm happy that the stigma around mental health is not what it was when I was a teenager but there's still work to be done generally but I think within sport and within football specifically there's a bit more work than perhaps society as a whole Um, and you've talked about before um, with us like you fell out of love with the game during that period where you finished Um, and I was hoping you could just tell me a bit about that like were you kind of were you, are you, as you had it with football, and you weren't paying much attention to what was going on in the football world, um, and obviously you retrained, started a new career. So was f- football kind of in the the rear mirror and done with, and that was that for you? Yeah, didn't go and watch games. Didn't well, didn't take an interest in it. Didn't watch any games on TV. I'd, I'd just, I, I felt as though I just lost. Um, 
I'd lost an arm or a leg, you know, that I just, it felt really, it felt like someone had died inside me, that, that, that the only thing that I'd ever been brought up on that, um, that we'd gone and, and the only thing I was ever good at, um, I'd lost and, and I was really hurting, yeah, and I, th- and I thought the only way for me to, to, um, to get back at it is by, by hurting it, you know what I mean, by not watching yeah. it and, and, and thinking that, um, that it would make me feel better if I didn't watch it and um, the more, I did stay away from it. The more I would hurt, you know what I mean. So and then uh, over over time, I'd realised that it wasn't the game. What was what was upset me? It was um, individuals within the game, i.e., organisations, uh, clubs, for example. You know what I mean? Who'd give me bad experiences? Individuals who who I'd fell out with, and um, it was only obviously when you grow up a little bit and uh, and you become like a, an adult and you uh, and you start to rationalise things that yeah that you start to think. Um, that, that is, it is, it's not the bigger picture. You know what I mean? There's, there's certain things what have triggered certain events in your life and, uh, and certain, and certain things, and, and just try to manage those little incidents for me. It was, and that, mm. and, and that was, and that was key. Um, the football has been a huge part of my life, and it, and it always will be because football is a, is a, is a, is a big picture. Is, it was not the problem which, which finished me. It's given yeah. every, every highlight of my life. Um, but the. The laws, like we were talking about earlier on, it wasn't football in general. It was just certain individuals or certain things or certain people. So, you know what I mean? I took me. It probably took me a good couple of years to understand um, why I was thinking it or what or rationalise it and, uh, and and thinking about it carefully because, you know what I mean? Like like, like I say, you know what I mean? You, you, you're young. You're enjoying um, certain things of football, but when you get a little bit older, and especially when you come out of the game, you, you realise what what I've achieved because when I was in the game. I didn't say anything what I was doing good as, as an achievement. I just thought, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, and yeah. it's going to last forever. It's only when I came out of the game that I realised, hey, that wasn't bad. Or, hmm. yeah. uh, that was good. Or, I really enjoyed that. Or, you know what I mean? I'm looking forward to doing that. You know what I mean? It was, it was something that, that, that I've really respected by, by coming out of the game. Did you thinking, find, like... Oh, sorry, sorry. Did you find, on. after that injury, that first year after the injury, and where you were struggling, sort of, with sort of loss of identity of what was going on, did that have an impact on your sort of home life with your family and stuff like that? Um, yeah, well, yeah, I, th- I think it did, Jacob. But I, I, I don't probably. Th- I, th- I think it coincided with the two with two things. You know what I mean? I think uh, my injury didn't help my attitude, and uh, with me being not being a professional footballer anymore, it had an impact on me financially, which had mm. an impact on uh, on my family, and um, and you know it coincided with with. Eventually, you know what I mean. That that, that me and what me and my ex-wife now we got we got divorced, and you know what I mean, which is then broke kids up, he's broke families up, and you know as a bigger picture and as a bigger picture, what what people don't see, you know that mm. you know what I mean. That 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 it's taken time for everybody to understand um, what's happened and people hurting because I don't think you know what I mean people just think oh go and get another job or you know what I mean, and, and that's that's basically yeah. the attitude that some people have, and it's. Well, it's not. It's not that easy, you know. Especially nowadays in society, that you, yeah, that you need that holy grail. You need that piece of paper. You know what I mean. You need that degree. You need these qualifications, all singing, all dancing things to go and do. And it, you can't just go and get that at Tesco. You can't just go and get, get that at the shops. You know, you've got to take your time. You've got a plan, and you know what I mean. And the amount of people who probably did say things that really annoyed me, like things like that. You know what I mean, which uh, would really get to me. And you know what I mean. And, and yeah, it had a massive impact on me uh, personally. On on my attitude, I'd be very snappy. Um, I'd be. I'd be angry at the like the littlest things, you know, and and, and yeah, it, it took its toll, and it was only probably until um, I sorted myself out, or I seen a visual plan, or a mental plan of, of 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 where I could go and what I could achieve, and and that there is life outside football. That um, it, it's I realised that oh, well, I've got an opportunity in life to do something. Hmm. Yeah, one of the um, 
the interesting things, not one, like it was all interesting, but what I mean is one of the things I picked up on there, when you said about um, that year after your injury where your football career was finished, it felt like you were, you were grieving, like you were, you had lost, like you'd lost a part of you. And I think, look, say you, if you lost someone, like a family member or someone died, like your, your, your friends or your employer or whatever it may be, would, you know, they'd rally around you, wouldn't they? And they would check you're all right and they would um, see if you needed any help. Maybe you'd go and see a doctor if it continued and things like this. But because it's football, people don't necessarily do that. I'm sure, like, you've spoken before about your family and how supportive your parents and stuff are. But generally, I mean, like, football doesn't do that. And kind of going back to the authorities and everything should have been there for you which obviously they should have but it, i think i can understand that from a like from footballers when they when the football's taken away from them they do it's grief but they don't get the support that you would get if you were actually grieving you know a, a family member or whatnot um so I that's got to so. be I, very I, I difficult mate yeah, well, I, you know, I mean, I think I think the stigma what's comes with being a, a footballer is that you're a multi-millionaire and you don't have to work <laughs> again. So people automatically think you're not a footballer. Well, what's he got to be upset about? Because he doesn't need to yeah. work again. Yeah. He's, he's got that much money in the bank that it's just another job. He, 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 you know what I mean? He'll go and play golf. He'll go on holiday. And in two, three years' time, you might be able to uh, look at doing something different. Well, it, it's so it's so far away from the truth. It's scary, you know, that, mm. um, yes, we got well paid. You know what I mean? Paid better, better, better paid than... Uh, than, than a lot of other people, but money was so different than it is than it is currently. You know what I mean? And and I would never begrudge any player who gets paid the amount of money. Yes, they probably do get overpaid, and there's other um, areas in the world who, who deserve that kind of money with what they put on the on the line each day and every and every week, every every day of the week and every day of the year. But um, it's just one of those things, you know, that 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 money in football is has always been pretty good, but now it's unbelievable. Whereas mm. You know what I mean? People just have that stigma of, of ah, he's all right. He's 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 got loads of money in the bank, or he's driving a flash car, or he's got a nice house. But it doesn't. It, it, it's no. like like I said earlier on. It's a, it, you're hiding behind a um, behind a false it's like a fa- a facade, it's, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, mm. and, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, it's very false. And you know what I mean? And, that, and that's the same as anybody. You know, you know what I mean? Especially with the times that we're going through now, that that the people will say they're okay because you'll you'll you, you message them or you speak to them, and you know what I mean? I've, I found over lockdown. With various things, um, that Zoom calls and and are great because you can see people's faces like you could if you were if you mm. were on the doorstep of them because face, faces don't lie. You know what I mean? You can see right through some people where yeah. in a text message on a phone call you can you can put a brave face on like we all have at times. You know what I mean? And we all do it for our parents. We all do it for our kids. We all do it for uh, for this person, that person. But you know what I mean? Inside, it's 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 been a tough time. But you know what I mean? It's 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 difficult. Well, maybe a prime example of that just very briefly, like. Without, I'm not going to go into any detail whatsoever, but like, like me and you, like a couple of times over the last six months, like you have texted me and said you're all right, and I've gone, yeah, fine, or I'm, yeah, whatever. And I've kind of changed the subject, knowing full well that I'm probably not all right. I've been struggling a little bit or whatever, but because it's a text message, it's very easy to, yeah, to to hide behind that, and you know, and normally you end up phoning me. 10 minutes later then but there we go that's enough sorry um look like uh it's very difficult and i appreciate you you know you speaking to us so honestly about the difficulties which you you had when your career finished and stuff what um what was the turning point for you do you think where you kind of came out of that 
dark period where you'd lost football and then you started to feel a bit better and kind of come out the other side? Um, I, I just think it was, it was it probably for me, it was, it was starting a, a, a sports science degree at Teesside University that I just, um, I, I got my teeth into something that, that, that was a three-year plan, you know what I mean, which was something that I'd never even dreamt of being able to do, by the way, because I'm the most um, uneducated probably footballer that you can come across at the time, you know what I mean, I hated education, I hated everything that went with it, I, I couldn't sit down for longer than 30 seconds, but... Um, I started to find an interest in, 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 in certain certain parts of it, and uh, and thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll do a year and see how we got six months. I was loving it, and I couldn't wait for the next three years. And I had all these plans of what I wanted to do and get back into football and, and be a physio. That was the that was the plan, and um, and uh, and I was I was like 35, 36 year old with 18, 19 year old kids. You know, what I mean, they were going out drinking and not turning up to seminars, and I was turning up everyone. I was in the front row, and I was. I was loving life, and it was uh, you know what I mean, a little bit of a swat, you know what I mean. So I'd, I'd done full circle here, um, and um, and you know what I mean. I loved it. Get my dissertation done. I was ten thousand words by Christmas. I'd, I'd just finished six months early because I just I, I just I, I just couldn't get it out of my head that I wanted to get it done. So I was all done, done and dusted. While people were leaving things up the last minute, I was enjoying my life. I'd um, I was getting back into football, watching football, trying to get into coaching and managing, and you know what I mean. So I just I was seeing another purpose again and seeing that there, that there was life. Um, after playing, you know what I mean. That the the, the the football. It's not just about playing. You know what I mean. Because you get it was even if I was lucky enough to, to to finish on my own terms, that I still would have had to pack in. I still wouldn't be able to play again. So I just needed to understand and get my head round that, um, that there's a bigger bigger life ahead. There's more years ahead of than there was during a football career. So um, I was starting to think of what I wanted to do. And um, halfway through that, I came across uh, an old physio of mine. Um, at Tea Town University, and he, he he said to me, "Have you ever thought about getting into teaching?" He said, uh, "He said I've seen some of your presentations, and um, you come across really well. You speak really well. You speak really quick." But he said, "You speak really well. If you can slow down a little bit." And, um, <laughs> so I did a few um, few days here and there teaching, and just just see if I enjoyed it, loved it, hated kids at the time, but uh, <laughs> enjoyed the uh, the concept of it. Um, and then just decided to get into it. So I used my degree to get into teaching instead of uh, the area which I, I thought I was going to go into, which was which was great, really. Yeah, and I think that's half the battle, is finding something after the playing career. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes people don't have that. Like, like you've mentioned again, you were lucky, your parents and your family are very supportive, so you did have that little bit of support from the family point of view. <clears throat> even though you didn't have support from uh, uh, the places that you perhaps should have. Um, and you were able to then take that into a, a new career and for, you know, find fall back in love with football, um, become a podcasting legend. And um, as well as, um, unfortunately though, that, you know, that doesn't, uh, that isn't always the case. Um, and earlier this year in 2020, as we record this, uh, a former teammate uh, for a Cardiff City, uh, Chris Barker, took his own life. Um, and if you don't mind, I'd just like to kind of really talk about Chris a little bit as a person, but also um, the kind of the effect that that had on you as well as kind of the difficulties that he would have been facing. Because um, obviously he was still involved within football, but not playing. Um, oh, where do we start with this one? Um, first and foremost, Chris, I knew um, I knew Chris's brother Richie um, from Hartlepool days. Uh, so I, I I knew of Chris uh, before he came to Cardiff. So I knew he was this 
Um, this Torag who, uh, who, who was decent at football, who, uh, who kicked people, who, who played for Barnsley, who, um, who was a proper, proper Yorkshireman and um, uh, who was going to follow in his brother's footsteps, who, who told everybody he was better than his brother. So I always thought, well, if he was better than his brother, he's, he's got half a chance because his brother was a very good footballer. Um, and then uh, Lenny came to see me one day at uh, Middlesbrough told me that, uh, that he'd agreed a fee with Chrissy. Um, and at Barnsley to bring to bring Chrissy back to Cardiff City. He said, "Well, he said, uh, you know, me said that I'm obviously knew, and he, he mentioned me when uh, when he had talks um, because obviously I knew I knew his brother. I'd met him met him previously. Um, so I said, would you go to the hotel and go and meet him? He's 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 he's, he's waiting for me basically. So I uh, went to the hotel, packed his bags for him, took him to my house. Uh, so he lived with me instead of living in the hotel because I'd I'd done that. I and I hated it. I'll be honest. You know, what I mean, there's there's something about uh, getting your washing done for you and getting all your meals cooked, but there's nothing about having your own space and just going mm. going somewhere where you wanted to go. You know what I mean? So, uh, Chrissy lived with me, lived with me for a couple of months and um, probably regretted it after the first minute because he was an absolute <laughs> nightmare. He was a bit of a uh, bit of a slob, um, but he was great company. Um, and uh, but we got on like a house on fire, you know, two northern lads and um, just 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 talked about football, talked about family, um, talked about how quick we could get down that M1 after a game. Uh, <laughs> Each each Saturday after after a home game after a away game and and uh, and just 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 hit the ground running straight away you know that it was always a I think I was probably the only person in the team who could understand him when he first came which uh, which which helped uh, but translator uh, yeah basically yeah but uh, it was uh, it was great uh, you know what I mean he he had a very successful career at Cardiff um, he settled down really quickly he had a daughter um, in Cardiff with uh, with his with his girlfriend at the time um, and. And yeah, it was it was absolutely great. I say we 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 went past just new. We still kept in touch. Um, I saw him. Uh, the last time I saw him was was when I went, when I went back to Cardiff because obviously he still lived in Cardiff. He, he ended up uh, at various football clubs. I think he finished at Forest Green as a coach, youth team coach, but still lived in Cardiff. So travelled up and down. He had a great affiliation with the city, um, which was fabulous. And uh, and I'll never forget. I'll never forget the the text message I received uh, from. Um, from Leighton Maxwell, who's a, an ex-teammate and friend of mine, uh, and said, uh, "Have you heard the news?" And that's all I got, basically. Didn't, mm. Nothing, nothing more than that, nothing less. Um, so I knew straight away it was it was bad news. So straight away I went on to social media just to see if anything was on there. Couldn't find anything. Uh, I rang him straight away, and he said, "Is it true uh, about Barks?" And I said, "I mean, I've not got a clue what you're talking about." So he said, "I said, give me ten minutes. I'll ring." Uh, the kit man Ian Lanning, who was um, best friends with Chrissy. Um, he was Chrissy was uh, Ian was I think he was best was he best man or one of them was best man at each uh, one of the weddings and and things and the beginning of the holiday every year. Um, so I rang the kit man, didn't answer, um, and then messages were filtering through that he that he lost his life and but that that that, that was it basically. And um, uh, I was probably unconfirmed for probably half a day, you know what I mean? But it was the longest half a day, you know what I mean? Because because mm. I knew the family really well. I just couldn't find it in myself to to to, to get in touch with people that, that that would be going through something so horrific, you know that mm. uh, you know what I mean. That, that I didn't want there to be that that person and and get that confirmation. You know what I mean. I wanted someone else to tell me that it was true, even though I didn't want to know mm. it was true. That mm. uh, and it really, really, it really, really hurt. And then I think it was it was it was it was the evening, Saturday evening. Um, and the kit man rang me, and he was he he was he was at um, MK Dons at the time as kit man and. Um, he'd left the game because he'd found out on the, on the, at lunchtime he didn't do the game and he was 
driving back to Cardiff and he just couldn't get his head around obviously the news and um and told me and you know he was in he was he was heartbroken and you know what I mean? It was it it, it, it taught me that, that we don't speak enough as in as in ex people, ex teammates, friends that um that these things are happening too often and shouldn't be happening and uh and is there a way that we can try and help people and try and make sure that it doesn't happen again? Because yes, this will never bring Chris back, and uh, and that breaks my heart. And it brings, you know what I mean? And the conversations I've had with his brother and and his family at his funeral, you know what I mean? If I could turn the clock back and and just drive to Cardiff tomorrow and, and stop it all, I, I would have done. But you know what I mean? Fortunately, that that's not the case. But if we can use this as something good to to stop somebody else and and to something stupid that 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 that, that be be there for people who are struggling that that have messages are open have your phone number here there and everywhere and just be just be that go-to person to go and speak to because you know what I mean Chris was Chris was living everyone's dream he's a professional footballer he's a good looking fella um, cheeky chap still involved in football at a really good level coaching so if you were an outside looking in mm. you'd think that he was living the dream and had everything to live for but you know what I mean unfortunately you know what I mean that it's just it's it's a it's a mask. It's just fake, and it's it's it doesn't mean that you're doing something that you love, that that, that you're happy. You know that that even um, daughter, who I know you absolutely idolised, by the way, um, that that look, there wasn't enough. So you know what I mean. It, it, he's at rest now, and um, but if he knew if he knew half of the love that that he had on the day of his funeral, and half of the people what turned up to, to pay respects for him, I'm, I'm sure that things would have ended very differently for Chris. Yeah, it's very, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because, um, obviously, just kind of going back to my own experiences, uh, a couple of people who I know have, unfortunately, had killed themselves over the years, and um, it's it's such a difficult thing to get your head around, because you you kind of look back and you replay conversations or situations, and and you think about should I have realized something or did i you know why didn't i phone you know that day or that week or why didn't i phone more you yeah. kind of it's natural and it's human nature to beat yeah. to beat yourself up over those those kind of little things yeah. but ultimately it's we've it's you've got to try and i don't want to say use it as a positive but use it as a gateway to make sure that it, we don't let it ha- happen to others. Yeah. I think you have to say. I think you've got. I think you've got to use it as a positive. You've got to see the positives mm. from it to make sure it doesn't happen to other people. You know that that um, probably for probably for two months after I I beat myself up that I didn't go to a reunion. You know what I mean? That um, all the Cardiff City players uh, for the 2004 playoff final. We all got we all got offered to go to a reunion, and I, I, it was on a it was on a it was on a Sunday night, and I was I was working on the Monday, so it was just impossible for me to get to Cardiff and get back in time to do it. So yeah. I just didn't go. And when I heard the news, that was the first thing that stuck in my mind that, oh, why didn't I go? You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. if I went, it wouldn't have changed anything. You know yeah, what I mean? But, no. like, but it took me ages to understand that it, that it wouldn't have changed anything because, you know, myself, you see, you think, I, I, could, I, I could have seen him, I could have spoken to him, but I wasn't there the night that it happened. So I, how, how on earth am I going to have an influence, you know? So I think sometimes are you, 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 there's a bigger picture. And, um, and for me, you know what I mean? As long as... As long as we can uh, have Chris as a legacy and show people that this is real and it's not going away, and um, there are plenty of people to get involved with and talk to, that if we can just save one person, two people, mm. you know what I mean? We've we use it as a positive, and, and I, I know Chris's brother and family would be immensely proud if we can if we can continue to do that because I know Chris's family, you know what I mean? We're we're broken up with with serious illness, and 
um, family members dying and things. So you know what I mean at the young age for for Chris to deal with. So you know what I mean. I, I'm, I'm hoping that we can we can use it as a legacy to try and help somebody else. Yeah, definitely. And I think that you know, like so I was saying about his own experiences. I think from my experiences working in mental health, unfortunately, you know, we've seen a lot of people I've worked with commit suicide, and you go through the sort of those stages of grief of could I do you know anger? Could I have done anything differently? Um, I think what it always for me it always comes back to you know uh, sort of why did that person feel that there was no one for them to go to and and that's the thing that you can never get to like you know I know people that have their family are like oh they were loved you know everyone loved them but they do it still and I think that's the real for some people that maybe don't have that knowledge of mental health that shows how strong the power of probably depression can have on someone where they can have a loved ones around them, but it holds over them so much that they only, the, the only outcome is suicide. And I think, yeah. you know, it, it's one of those, we said this about when we were talking about Gary Speed, we were saying, you know, it, it gives people a sort of shake up to go, actually, you know, the grass is, you know, it isn't this great life that maybe I think yeah. the best it's someone talked to me, they said, well, once you, so I remember when I first started getting into the football sort of life, I was like, it's really exciting, it's amazing. And someone just said to me, look, once you go past that little curtain and you see what the real life of football is, then you realise it's not all like that. It's all cracked up to yeah. me. That's what, think, it's, what, it's what people said to me, Jacob, you know what I mean? Would I, do it, would I do it again if I could turn the clock back? And Normally people would, would, would jump at the chance and go, yes, you know what I mean? But knowing what I know and seeing what I've seen, you know what I mean? I, I, I wouldn't jump into it straight away. You know what I mean? I'd have to. I'd have to that's, think about that's it. That's fascinating. Know? That is, mate. Yeah. Really because, is because, like, when you look look at the like the career and the success and everything which you've had, um, and like you've spoken about again tonight, like you know those those moments of sheer uh, euphoria, but with the benefit of maturity and hindsight and coming out the other side of those dark days having it you know seen obviously uh negative things happening with other people as well i it's really interesting that you know you wouldn't just say yes yeah, straight away that you would do it all it's again. The, it's, so the way i look at this eye is 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 the good things that i've done nobody can take away but if those good things hadn't happened then you wouldn't know about them anyway mm. so they wouldn't they haven't happened to you so you know i mean you've not lost out on anything so i, I just of think course, yeah um, As, you know, it's just a, it's a difficult it's a difficult conversation. But you know, I mean, there's there's so many pluses being a footballer, there's, but there's so many negatives, and there's so you know, what I mean, I, I I lived my dream, I did exactly what I wanted to do, but you know, what I mean, the the, the way it ended and the and the downsides of it, you know, what I mean, I, being a perfect footballer, you play for your boyhood dream, you score a goal in the major cup final, you finish when you want to finish, and you're content with life and happily ever after. Just, I, you know, what I mean. I, I don't think life would be fun if it happened like that. To be honest, I think you know what I mean. I think we're we're all we're all in this world in the universe for a reason. And uh, but it's yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a a, a a journey, a roller coaster. After it did happen with Chris, did you know each club have got their former former players associations for that club? Did the Cardiff like former players society, whatever they call it, uh, send anything out to the former players saying, look, this is if you need support you know this is available or anything like that um the club didn't know but we uh we took it on ourselves um at the funeral um all the ex-players who, who, who turned up so we uh we created our own group chat um on whatsapp and we ask <coughs> daily weekly um are we okay we 
Um, if anybody's struggling, everyone's got each other's numbers. Everyone's everyone's very open to have a conversation. Mm. We help each other out about in various things and that's in life. If anyone needs any advice and help with with anything, um, you know what I mean. Whatever that may be, if that's family, kids, uh, financial, whatever it may, you know what I mean. We're, we're, we're mm. Uh, it's always open and, and for me that's the best thing what, what's what's come out of it and yeah. uh, I, if I if we could if we could turn the, turn the clock back and have, and have Chrissy in there the, the chat would be a lot more livelier yeah. it would be, uh, it'd be a lot more fun um, uh, but then there wouldn't be a chat would there so yeah, yeah. and, and you know, so that, that, you know what I mean it's so yeah. it's, it's, that's what that's what upsets me the most I think that um, you know what I mean just, just it's something little but something so big mm. at the same time and those are the sort of things that we've I suppose have gone through this whole conversation it comes down to individuals you know it, it came to those individuals at that funeral on the day to go let's do something to support ourselves yeah. Yeah. where you know it's great that they do that but there should also be you know we know like it takes two all these former player associations or groups or whatever they have a newsletter that goes out every month yeah. when the meetups it would have taken two seconds to say mm. here's the number for mind uh, yeah. or if you know, and and those are the basic things that I don't know why they're missing in football. Um, uh, it, it might not just be football; it might just be other businesses. I'm lucky in mental health; we don't really have that. But uh, you hear of other big, big businesses like t- people like Tesco's and like huge employers that employ thousands, and thousands of people. have got great HR departments, yeah. and you know. Yeah, it just it, like we were saying, it's 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 a strange thing that you think mm. they would be on it. You know, Cardiff's mm. not a small club. No, no. no. Yeah, football no, clubs totally generally, isn't it? Football clubs authorities mm. uh, are kind of not doing enough to help current players, young players, former players. You know, football as a whole, I think, needs to have a bit of a revamp when it comes to mental health and have a a real good look at itself. I got to be honest. Um, Right, uh, Andy, I appreciate you coming on, mate, so much, and uh, you know, just being honest and talking about your experiences. Obviously, talking about Chris as well, I appreciate that no, massively. Love um, Jacob, as ever, thank you, my friend, oh, for your uh, coming on, joining us, getting involved, and uh, whatnot. Um, and guys, like I always say, if uh, if you are struggling or you're just feeling like it's getting all a bit too much, just remember that you aren't alone. We're all in it together. And um, you'll find in the description for the show, there's links to various mental health charities and and different things, foundations and whatnot, um, which are all pretty good, I can tell you from personal experience. And um, just as a a good friend of mine says, keep on keeping on and uh, help each other. You can check out Andy every Monday, 7.30 on the Andy Campbell Football Show, where he speaks to top, top guests from the football world with a very beautiful-looking host on that show. He's a legend of a guy. And um, also on a Friday, 7 o'clock, the Andy Campbell Championship Show. Uh, We'll be back next Sunday, 8pm, for an all-new episode of Mental Health in Sport Series 2. So uh, join us as we'll be speaking to Welsh international or former Welsh international David Cottrell next week about uh, his battle with mental health and uh, alcohol. Uh, It'll be a very interesting show. But uh, in the meantime, be nice. Don't be a dick.
Sports Social Podcast Network.